This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money. The ASX might be about as reliable as the census website, but we're here each and every week like clockwork. I'm Andrew Page, and with me, as always, is Scott Phillips. G'day, Andrew. G'day, fools. Today on the podcast, the ASX breaks. What happened on Monday, and why should I care? Also, the Chinese buying spree continues. Is this a bad thing for the country? And finally, can you 3D print a house? Apparently you can. There's a company claiming that you can do that, and you can buy shares today. But first, Scott, we have to give a big thank you to our listeners. We do indeed. We big have, week for us. A very big week. We've This podcast has ranked number one in the business section. That's right. Number one on the iTunes charts and number 15 overall. So, Phils, thank you very, very much for taking your time out to listen to us rabbit on for 20 minutes or so once a week. Uh, we certainly hope you're enjoying the podcast. If the numbers are right, you probably are, and that's a good thing. But we really appreciate you taking the time to listen in and uh, learn a few things along the way with a bit of luck. Yeah, so let's not blow it from here, okay? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no one way to go, right, from there? Well, let's let's start with the ASX. All right. Um, so on Monday... <laughs> Speaking of things going down, keep going. Things <laughs> going down. Well, this was a, a disaster. The, you couldn't... Well, you, it was very difficult to buy and sell shares on Monday. The market really out of action for most of the day, really only up and running for an hour or two. So... I was reading some headlines, traders, you know, pitchforks and torches in hand. It was a disaster, <laughs> right. a debacle. Traders were furious, I think, was the was the official term. Now, how do I know? Like, there's so many things, so many places we can go here. For starters, <laughs> how does the ASX break? Yeah, that's a great question. Look, for those for those listeners who weren't aware, who weren't, you know, standing by their trading platforms and trying to make hyper trades and day trading and all sorts of fun stuff, the ASX was unavailable for about three hours or so on Monday, just gone. So technical glitch? Basically, that's what they said. You couldn't play a trade you couldn't make a trade on the asx in the morning the asx opened i want to say about an hour and a half late about 11 30 in the morning rather than 10 okay. o'clock okay. and went down again about 2 30 mm. and about half past three they said look that's it for the day guys we're not <laughs> we going to try anymore we'll be back tomorrow so oh, you know it was it was a pretty ordinary day and look quite frankly if you're the asx if your job is to facilitate trades and you can't do that it's like if every if every woolworth store in the country was closed for half the day or you know bhp said yeah look we're not going to mind today we can't get we can't find the keys for the tractors um you know it was is kind of a big deal at least in terms of the corporate reputation for a business whose job it is to literally do this thing yeah it's very very core business that the thing it's supposed to do it couldn't do for half of the trading day on monday having said that though Classic first world problem, right? <laughs> you know, so at the end of the, so what does it mean if I can't buy and sell my shares? Well, for starters, how do I know what my shares are worth? Exactly. And, and you know, if, you, if, you, if your job was, a, if you're a day trader, you're, you're sitting there hunched over your computer in your darkened room with your bleary eyes because you've probably been all night, up all night trading the US market and then maybe options and futures. And all you want to do is trade the ASX and lose a fortune trying to do that. <laughs> what, what are you supposed to be able to do? <laughs> it was such a storm in a teacup. I it mean, totally at the was. end of the I think we've got to go back to first <laughs> principles here. I mean, the market, yep. the share market's like the fish markets. It's like any market. It's just a place that facilitates. Less fishy. Less fishy. <laughs> well, well, maybe <laughs> not always, actually. Maybe more fishy. In I, some I was going to say instances. less smelly but it's probably not that either. No, Keep going. No. Keep going. Um, but it's really there to, to facilitate the meeting of people who have shares and yep. want to sell them, people who have cash and want to buy those shares. That yep. This is the thing. When you're buying shares on the ASX, that's not going to the, to the company. If I buy BHP shares, BHP don't get my cash. The bloke who's selling me those shares. So b- behind it all, that comp- those companies are still doing what they do. Yep. They are zero, zero impacted by a closure of the market. Yeah, you and I made you and I made a couple of uh, interesting points on well, as says I, our listeners can tell us. <laughs> extraordinary, <laughs> extraordinarily interesting. <laughs> We're very, very bright people. Super insightful. Uh, you know, on on Monday, you you, uh, you made the point that you know how am I supposed to know what my shares are worth? And, and you mentioned that just then. In other words, you know, if if I can't trade, how do I know what my shares are worth? And and that frankly is 
is the question that people were asking and the question they shouldn't have been asking. Because to your Stupid point, Stupid question. It, we don't we don't wonder what our shares are worth over Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. We just say, well, they were they were trading recently at X price. They're probably worth something like that. At least the market thinks they're worth something that, like that. That's the fundamental point for me here. What that market tells you is what are the people who actually traded today, very, very, very small percentage of actual shareholders yep. out there, yep. what were they prepared to sell their shares today at? And what were people with cash prepared to, to pay it at? This is the thing. No one does a trade on the market with a gun at their head. You know, it is an optional thing. And it doesn't really tell you what the shares are worth. It tells you what people were prepared to trade at on that day. And it sounds like I'm splitting hairs, but I I, I don't think, I, I don't think I can emphasize the point enough. In fact, that's really what our job is at the end of the day as analysts. You know, we're out there trying to say, well, here's a company, it's making X dollars. We think it'll continue to do that. I think that this company is worth X dollars. Mm -hmm. And then if I look at the market and the market is offering me a price that is below what I think it's really worth, then I will buy and vice versa. And so, you know, th this idea that the market is always right is really fundamentally in opposition to what we do and what we, I would argue, what any sensible investor is trying to do. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, think about a share price during the course of a year. You know, if we go back, say, let, let's pick Woolies as an example. You know, everyone, everyone knows Woolies. Most of us shop there most weeks. Um, Woolies over the past year, its share price has fluctuated dramatically. You know, the, the shares, as we, as we currently talk now, are worth about twenty two seventy five. Mm -hmm. Now, they were as low as $20 a few months ago, as high as $28 back almost this time last year. Which one was the real price? Which well, one was the fair price? In fact, go back two and a half years and the shares were $38. Right. So they were worth maybe 40 maybe 20 and for most of the time, somewhere in between that. Mm. So if, if if the market, to your point, was always always knew what the price should be, mm. it should have traded at roughly that price the entire time. It wouldn't swing around that much. Would or it? if it was going to change, it would change as a result of, of an earnings result, for example, to go from one price to another price and stay at that new price mm. until the next lot of earnings. The reality is, as you say, the market price reflects the demand and supply of those shares on a given day. If investors are really excited about Woolies, the share price gets bid up because a whole lot of people want to buy, mm -hmm. not many people want to sell. Can, equally, if the market's pessimistic, a whole lot of people are trying to sell, only a few people want to buy, that pushes the price down. And again, to your point, if you're going to beat the market as an investor, and that's what we try and do, and what all of our listeners should try and do, if you're buying and selling individual shares, you have to take a different view to the market by definition. By definition. If you mm -hmm. only get the, if you, if you think, if the market's always right, all you can ever hope to get is exactly the market return. Mm. If you don't think the market is right and we don't, you get the opportunity to look at the 2,000 odd shares in the ASX and say, which one of those do I think the market's wrong about and why? And then buy those shares. If you're right, you'll beat the market. If you're wrong, you'll lose to the market. But that's exactly the story. You know what I'd do if I was king of the world? <clears throat> well, <laughs> go on, tell me. When, when I'm king of the world. <laughs> when I'm king of the I've world. I've seen Leonardo DiCaprio on the front of, on the, front of the Titanic. <laughs> I'm king of the world. <laughs> When I'm king of the world, I'm going to ensure that the share market is only open for one day a year. I think that's a spectacular idea. Warren Buffett famously says, don't hold a share for 10 minutes you're not prepared to pay, hold for 10 years. Yep. He also says, we, we say a lot, Buffett's quote of, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Mm. That, that's absolutely right. But the full quote actually starts with, I'll tell you how to get rich. Close the doors. Yes. And you know what? We are so busy trying to be active. The fact that traders were furious was, I can't buy and sell for fractions of a cent and try and make money. Honestly, find great businesses, hold them for a long time, let time do the work for yeah. you. To your point, Andrew, the market was closed, but Woolies staff were still working in the stores. Mm. BHP's staff were still mining the mine. They were doing the, the business of business, mm. not worried about whether their shares were trading on the ASX. Couldn't care less. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M.
All right, let's move on then. I think we've we've beaten, we've flogged that horse well and truly into the ground. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so uh, let's talk about this this Chinese buying spree. And what we're talking about here, and there's been in the papers a lot lately. I mean, obviously the, the Chinese economy is going gangbusters. Bloody Chinese buyers. They've pushing got, up the prices of everything here. They've got Have you noticed that? Plenty of cash and they're buying houses. They want to buy cattle stations. You know, just recently the other day, I was reading the paper. There's a there's a uh, consortium, Chinese consortium out there looking to buy some vineyards. How dare they? How dare they buy our assets? And it always gets people fired up, doesn't it? Australia for Australians. Andrew. You know, it's just unbelievable. We're, we're, we're selling out to, to these foreigners. Absolutely. Now, but Terrible. Here's the thing, though. What I don't understand is, is this. If you own the vineyard yes. and someone anyone drives a truckload of money up to you and says, <laughs> Hey, I want to buy your thing for millions and millions of dollars. Where do I sign? Yeah, you do it, right? I Indeed think pe people forget that there's two parts to this <laughs> transaction, like there is with any transaction, yep. right? So, that the the, the 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 for starters, the, the in this instance, the Chinese. Mm -hmm. It used to be the Japanese back in the eighties, and you know some other. Remember point the, the Japanese future. buy up all the Queensland golf courses? Oh, it was a disaster. They were going to buy supposedly. all of the real estate in, in Queensland, as I recall. Well, this is the second point. Now, not only are they buying it off. Presumably, the Australians that owned it in the first place is going into their pockets, and they they're entering into that transaction in a completely uh, voluntary fashion. Mm -hmm. But once you've got it, what do you do with it? You can't lift that up and take it back to China. <laughs> exactly. You know that we we um you and I were up in the Northern Territory a year or two ago, and and I think it was one of the the sultans of. Brunei or somewhere owned that massive cattle station, but yep, of course yep. it stays where it is. <laughs> it's employing, you know, vastly a majority of, of, of locals. Yep. Um, it, it does, so, so the profits go overseas though. Now that might be the legitimate concern, is it? Kind of. It kind of depends how much you pay for the asset, right? So let's say you and I have a house worth a million bucks, mm -hmm. right? Now, if, a, if an overseas investor, if any investor, frankly, wants to pay us $2 million rather than a million bucks, mm -hmm. we'll take the money. If yeah. they're going to pay us twice as much as this thing's worth, well, please take it. Take I'll, it. I'll, I'll, I'll help you lift it. Yep. The, the reality is, though, that as you say, you can't lift it. It's already stuck there. But also, too, that's where the value creation is for the locals. Mm. So if, if you're selling your farm cheaply to the Chinese, well, you know, more yeah. fool you for not doing the right thing and, yeah. and selling it for a decent price. You're, you're cutting yourself off. Yeah. But if you're getting if you're getting a pretty penny for that, yeah. someone else is paying a super high price. Yeah. And guess what? Australia makes that money. If a Chinese investor pays an Australian farmer mm. or an Australian homeowner or Australian mm. vineyard owner a fortune for their assets, then Australia gets richer by the very virtue of the fact that they're overpaying for those assets. So right. realistically, and, and, and by the way, don't forget, not only is that true, but Australian investors, Australian companies, Australian business people own a whole lot of foreign assets as well. Of course we do. Well, I own shares in Berkshire Hathaway, one of yeah. the one of the best you know, and longest run companies in the, in the US. Warren Buffett runs that business. If we're saying- Bloody Australians buying all of these US <laughs> assets. It, that's exactly right. So, you know, and, and frankly, is Berkshire Hathaway any, any poorer as a result? Is the is the America any poorer result? Of course not. Absolutely not. And so- Honestly, I get the nationalism. I get the patriotism of, you know, wanting Australian assets to stay in Australian hands. I get the emotion of land being finite. Therefore, let's not sell it overseas. The reality is that overseas investors own a very, very small fraction of Australia's farmland. And the Chinese, who are all the rage to, to blame right now, are a very, very small fraction of that very, very small fraction. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely tiny. The, 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 the Americans, the, the POMs, the New Zealanders, they own far more Australian farmland than the Chinese Oh, do. you bet. Yeah. And so while it gets all the headlines, it gets the headlines, frankly, because there's a portion of us who are fearful of others, of people from overseas coming and taking our country. As I said, 20 years ago, it was the Japanese. 30 years ago, it was the Japanese. Mm. Buying golf courses in the 80s, that didn't exactly end in ruin. Mm. And if they paid more, more than they should have, which they frankly did, then Australia benefited as a result. If Australians are selling cheap farmland to, to, to overseas or to locals, mm. they're cutting themselves off. But if you're selling for a decent price or a really good price, 
Why would you want that to stop? Sometimes it gets a bit talked about to the strategic value of these assets. And, you know, if it's in foreign hands, you know, they, they might be able to use it in ways that are, you know, more aligned with their interests than ours. But again, this is, this is one I've always struggled, I guess, in some instances, you know, you, you wouldn't want a, a foreign national, uh, owning something, you know, of military importance or, or something right, right. like that. But at the end of the day, you've still got to follow Australian laws, right? Yes. And you, if you can't just, you know, the Chinese can't <laughs> yeah. buy a farm and say, you know what, this, this part of Australia is now a communist nation and we're going <laughs> to no, do what we want to do. It's, it's crazy. And it, it, so here's, here's the final version, right? The future fund. Yep. That, the, the fund set up by Peter Costello and John Howard to manage the superannuation of Australian public servants, the largest sovereign fund in, in the country. 6.3% of its money is invested in Australian shares. Just 6.3%? 22.5%, almost a quarter is invested overseas. Wow. That, that, is, that, is, that is life. We, we own, in that, that future fund owns four times as many foreign shares as it does Australian shares. And that's a very good thing for us. It's a very good thing for them. It, it makes absolutely no sense to worry too much about which nationality or any nationality owning too much of our farmland. Mm. As long as you're getting a fair price for the asset, it makes no difference. Well, let, 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 I think that's how we draw a line under it, right? It's, it is important that these things are reviewed. It is important that they are looked at in the context of what is best for our national interests. But everyone, just chill the hell out and take a breath, right? These, these things get really blown out of proportion. Stop succumbing to xenophobia and fear. That's it. Well said. Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Finally, yes. how do you 3D... From the sublime to the ridiculous? <laughs> this is this is serious. Of course You can buy shares in a company. It's called Fastbrick. It yes. reverse listed on the market not too long ago. I, I, I'm going to go down a rabbit warren here. They, they, they basically, they, I think it was a mining company, shifted itself into this company, <clears throat> got, got into the ASX um, through the back door. It's all legitimate. I'm, I'm making it sound dodgy, aren't I? Where the hell was I? Did I meander off to? Let's start again. So, so there's this company called Fastbrick, and they've got an idea to make a robot that that is a bricky, a, a robot bricky. You know what's funny? When I, whenever I thought about what the computers would take, I figured they'd take your job and my job. Yeah. But I figured the brickies and the and the, and the sparkies safe as houses. I, yeah. I think I think yeah, well, literally right. Like yep. what if you got a manual labor job? You know, robots can't dig tunnels and lay pipes and and you know um, put up houses, but Apparently they can. Well, apparently they can. Now, this is really interesting. You've got a lot of attention on the market lately. I mean, these guys were at two cents, even like three weeks ago, and they have shot up vertical. It's a hockey stick, this chart. I mean, you're now looking at a stock that's north of 14 cents. That's a seven-fold increase in shareholder value in the space of, uh, yeah, like I said, a few weeks. This company, I think it's worth something like $80 million. But riddle me this, Scott. They don't make any money. <laughs> They're certainly a mile away from commercialization. Right. They don't even really have a, a fully fledged product yet. They're still trying to prove this idea out. People are tripping over themselves. So are they, are they crazy? What's going on here? And this is a 3D printing company. Well, look, this is, this is their PR spin. Right. So they're saying, so 3D printing, for those that don't know, it's where you build up a 3D object layer by layer. So you put a whole lot of plastic in, in a, in a, a little bit of resin. Yeah. And yep. you squirt it through and you kind of lay down from the base up. You might build a... A doorknob or a, a figurine or something, right? Yeah, and so they're they're, they're in, basically in a trying, they're, they're trying to draw that stretch that analogy to, to this. So what they're doing, they're putting <laughs> you know, well, the robots putting down brick by brick by so brick. So it's making the bricks. No, it's not making the bricks. Uh, but loads, it's three D. 
different. Well, again, as I said, it's PR spin. I see, right. But basically what they're doing is they're just building up a house one brick at a time, which is what we used to call bricklaying. <laughs> but it's but it's a robot that's no, it's, doing it's, it. It's 3D printing, Andrew. Well, look, look it's, we, we took a all, little bit. All, all those 3D printers out there, those blokes think they're, they're bricklayers. Sorry, guys, you're 3D printers. <laughs> welcome, to the, welcome to the information age. It's pretty sexy though, right? Now, you've got to imagine there's, there's a lot of building that goes on around the world. a very strange definition of sexy. I, I, think, I can think of a whole lot of sexy things, but a robot bricklayer is not the sexiest I'm, thing. I'm, I'm going to strongly disagree with you. Anytime robots are involved, I think that the, the you know the twelve year old boy inside me just goes, "That's cool." Your poor wife. Where do I put the lasers? Your poor wife. Where do I put the lasers? So, uh, and by the way, this thing does have lasers <laughs> to to guide it. Of course, it does. Uh, not not death lasers, unfortunately. That's that's inversion two Sharks with lasers. So let's get back on track here. So right. so. so um, it's easy to sort of laugh at this company. Yeah. There's another one out there hey, that's doing jet packs. Shell's made a fortune in the last three months, right? Well, they have, right? Seven and, times your money. And you know, and you sort of say it's not making any money. Uh, the, the business not making any money. They're they they're, they're just they're just trying to prove it out. Why are people so happy to to, to pay these prices? <laughs> and are they crazy, or is there something you know meaningful behind? I'm this? desperately, desperately trying not to say the sucker born every minute, Andrew, but I can't <laughs> help myself, and I just did. Um, hope springs eternal, sure and. The Australian character, we always laugh about, you know, betting on two flies crawling up a wall. This is kind of the, this is kind of the respectable version of that, right? This is I'm not no, I'm not betting. I'm investing in in the future. I'm buying a technology. I'm I'm supporting I, I, innovation. I, all those wonderful, wonderful buzzwords that pretty much hide the fact you're just betting, right? Yeah. This is pure speculation. I've got to say, I have no doubt that in 20 years' time there'll be there'll be and again, if you can call it robots, is ridiculous, right? There'll be machines that help bricklayers do their job. Yeah. Will they be completely autonomous? Maybe in 25 years, possibly, mm. but maybe they won't. Mm. And, and frankly, the fact that, look, I love the tech, the fact that someone has designed a machine, they call it a robot. Cause again, robots feel sexy. Um, robots that can literally lay bricks. It's just really cool, right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, super it's a really cool. cool piece of technology. The difference between, Hey, I've got a cool idea to don't forget this actually isn't a commercialized business yet. Not right. only there's no profits, there is no commercial version of this actually working yet. No. So they've just sold investors a dream. They've said, imagine a world in which we can have thousands of these things laying bricks right through the country and overseas. Yep. If we can do that, imagine how much money we make. Oh, they would make a fortune. I and mean, if, there's still a bargain if right now if they can do that. And there's a whole lot of greed that says, and if they're going to do that, I want to be on that train. Yeah. I want part of that pie, right? Yep. Makes lots of sense. It does. Except that if you add up all of the would-be, should-be, want-to-be gunner companies across the ASX in forever and a day, you would still lose a fortune if you bought shares in each of them. I think this is the thing. There are you, you've got to look at this almost in a, in a probabilistic fashion. Now, if they do manage to bring this to a a, a commercial product and, and they they are they're a cash flow positive business and they manage to do that within a reasonable time frame, this is going to be the investment of a lifetime. It's going to do incredibly well. But it's a lot of ifs there, Andrew. There, there are a lot of ifs, and, and statistically, we know that these things don't often work out. Not because that not. And this is the thing. There's not that there's nefarious you know, uh, intense behind this. People aren't being dodgy or anything like that. It's just that this business is really, really, really hard, particularly businesses that are associated with, you know, innovative new technologies that are unproven. And the other point I would make here as well, I mean, this is largely one of, you know, this is one of the core functions of the share market in the capitalist society what, that we live in. Separate suckers from their cash. <laughs> well, it, you, some, they've come forward, as long as they've been honest in their yeah, perspective, right, said, yeah. hey, this is what we're looking to do. We want some shareholders to to, to give us some cash so we can, we'll, we'll, sh we'll share part of the business for them in exchange for that. Mm -hmm. And and we're going to go and prosecute this strategy. And, and if we're successful, the owners of these shares will do well. And if they're not, and so as long as you're being honest, why the hell not, right? That's, that is, they're raising funds for a business venture. Again, people are voluntarily doing this. 
I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with it. No, I'm going to say you're going to disagree with me. Well, no, there's nothing wrong with look, you, to your point, Andrew. If if I walk down the street with a sign on my back that says, "Please give me a thousand dollars," I might possibly turn that into a million. Yeah. Then yes, absolutely, I'm entitled to that. And as long as I'm clear about what I'm going to do, I'm going to buy a lot of ticket. Give me a thousand bucks. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy a lot of ticket. I'll share it with you. Yeah, what's wrong with that? If I'm, well, nothing. There's nothing wrong with offering that. The problem is the, the problem exists for the people who are going. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you the thousand dollars. That's the problem, right? So it's not immoral, it's not illegal. It's not immoral. It's not unethical. It just preys on people's greed. If possibly this works, then I want to be part of that. Well, story. That's, I guess that's my point. It's buyer beware. So I think as an investor, yes, you have absolutely. to look at these. Like I've got, I've got, I've got everything in my portfolio. It's super boring and blue chip to something that's super speculative and high risk. Yep. And but I know that, that that some of these things are high risk. I know that if I roll the dice ten times on companies like that, nine times out of ten, it's not going to work out for me. So as as long, I don't see an inherent problem with this. I guess what I would urge, whether it be fast brick or you know jetpack or medical marijuana or lithium mining or all of these oh, sort of new and sexy sort of quote unquote sexy things that are out there, you've got to go into it with your eyes wide open. Yes, the potential is massive. People will make an absolute fortune if things go well. But you've got to understand the odds are really, really against you, and you need to act accordingly. You are paying thousands and thousands of dollars to the equivalent of buying a lotto ticket. Mm. And if you would go to your local news agent say, hey, news agent, here's a thousand bucks, BBC lottery tickets, mm. then yes, by all means, jump on these sure. these companies. But this is purely, this is this is the very definition of speculation. It's not investing. It's not the sort of thing that most investors should be even close to interested in. So yes, the allure of fast money, of big wins are, are super seductive. But you know what? For the vast majority of people, in the vast majority of cases, it ends up very, very, very badly. Maybe fast is the exception to the rule. But the odds are, to your point, Andrew, of being probabilistic about it, there is every possibility that Fastbrick, from this particular point in time, is not going to be the big winner that everybody missed. Yeah, unfortunately, that's 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 what the odds are likely to tell you. Yeah, Though they're... I wish them every every bit of luck. Though it's a really it's a really cool bit of tech. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's wind it up, Scott. Um, as always, a great pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. And you, thanks, Andrew. And don't forget, you can subscribe to Triple M's Motley Fool Money through iTunes or through your favorite Android podcast app. And of course, you can go straight to the Triple M website. The address triplem.com.au forward slash podcast. And please, if you like what we what we're doing, give us a five star rating and tell your friends. Thank you so much. Until next week, I'm Andrew Page and thanks for listening. I'm Scott Phillips. Full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.